I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Tribal chief around here. Yeah, you see me, the tribal chief. That's right. Long time. But let me go ahead and tell you. Shut your bitch ass up.
How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 388 of the Hoots Podcast. It's your boy, Joshy, recording to you live from the big green room here in lovely Chicago, Illinois. Hope you guys are having a wonderful evening as we are on this Thursday, November 23rd, 2023. I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to each and every single one of you who continue to support this podcast for what it's been for the last... Um, eight years, and I'm very grateful for the fact that you guys still care what I have to say about the world of professional wrestling. We've been having a lot of fun, and I don't take any of these episodes for granted, especially for the fact that we are 12 episodes, exactly 12 episodes away from reaching episode 400 of the Hoots Podcast, and it's all thanks to you guys for why I'm still here and why I'm still doing this, because... um, This is what the way the state of wrestling media is in 2023 and the way podcasts are having success with disingenuous content and stuff like that. Um, It takes away from the fun and creative aspects of doing a show like this. But uh, as you guys know, um, I shoot for off the hip and that I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm not here to create favor with promotions. I'm here to express a passion that I've had since I was four years old and understand that I don't take professional wrestling for granted because certain companies don't do what I want them to do. And, you know, yeah, we have our things that we like and dislike, and there's going to be stuff that I say here on this podcast that you may like or disagree with, and that's perfectly fine. But um, one thing I've always prided myself when it comes to the Hoots podcast is the fact that we do have genuine and authentic conversations and this is just a fun platform for me to uh give out some life advice along the way as well and that's very important to me it's something that i don't take for granted too it's something that i pride myself on because i like helping people if there's anything that we accomplish with this show this show is that i want to be a, a place a positive place for people to come here to express themselves have a mental escape from the nonsense and bs that they had to deal with throughout their day And if I accomplish that, then we did something right with this show. So um, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to all of you and your families for those who are celebrating today as we go into this holiday season. I have a lot of things that I'm thankful for, and I want to express that in this opening monologue this week. But also I want to... um, let you guys know you can find me on Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. I'm at Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. Uh, make sure to check out my transcripts at WrestlingHeadlines.com as I'll be busy this weekend covering uh, both SmackDown and Survivor Series War Games emanating from the Allstate Arena, as I like to call it, uh, the Rosemont Horizon, aka my wrestling church. <laughs> uh, the Allstate Arena is probably my favorite building to go to outside of my house. No kidding. I I, I love going to WWE shows at the All-State Arena. It's a passion of mine ever since I was a kid. It's one of the main reasons why I wanted to make a living in professional wrestling. And it always goes back to that night when uh, CM Punk defeated John Cena at uh, Money in the Bank for the WWE title, uh, 2011, July 17th. I remember it like it was yesterday because that was the moment I knew I had to do this for a living. And here we are, 12 years later, I spent about 10 years of making transcripts and 10 years of being a professional broadcaster. And um, it's been a wild fucking ride. And I 
um, could be more grateful and appreciative for all of you who helped me get to where I am today. This has not been a one-man project. I do pride ourselves with the podcast that in itself and its nature, it's a DIY project. And I understand that this is not busted open. This is not cheap heat. You know, it's not a knock towards them. I want to give a shout out to my guy, Stack Guy Greg. I'm not Sam Roberts. I'm not, um, you know, Chris Van Lee. I'm not any of these guys. I'm not like Hoodie with Good Karma Wrestling. You know, by the way, I want to give him a shout out for all the success he's having. You know, it's announced recently that he's going to be doing some hosting opportunities during the weekends on Busted Open on Sirius XM. And I, I could be happy for him, you know. I've been very fortunate to say that my mentor and teacher um, valued my opinion enough to say, like, hey, let's get together and do, like, a mini show together. There was an extended period about a few years ago where I was doing almost weekly shows with not only my teacher and my mentor for the broadcasting school I went to, but also the man that's probably my favorite Chicago sports personality in the city. And I I, I, did, I never took that time that I had with Hoodie when we did Hood and Lopez on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday for granted. Um, I'm very happy for his success. It's it's great to see. I know it's something that I expressed to him that's something I wanted to do with him where, like, you know, if, if the opportunity ever came where I came to work for ESPN 1000, it would have been cool to be like, hey, we brought wrestling talk back to Chicago, but now he's doing it. He's doing it. And he's got, he's got a good crew that he has, that he records the shows every single Thursday. So you guys can check out good karma wrestling, but um, I'm very appreciative for hooding because he's a big part of why I'm still doing this and why um, I got to where I am today with the content that I produce. So I just want to give a big shout out to hoodie for um, always believing in me and giving me a shot um, when other people wouldn't because of my age or whatever. So I just want to give a shout-out to Hoodie. And it was, it was really nice hearing from him the other day on Twitter where he mentioned that uh, our guy, Eddie Dennis, uh, formerly of NXT UK, is back in the wrestling realm. So it was cool to see that. Um, yeah, so I want to give a big shout-out to Hoodie. I also want to give a big shout-out to uh, Brother Carter. Brother Carter uh, celebrated his birthday yesterday, so... For those who are watching and listening to this, I want you guys to go out of your way to give a birthday shout-out to uh, Brother Carter, Derek Stoughton, the director of all the operations on his birthday. Um, big shout-out to Brother Carter. And um, also, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, the guy's uh, been busy. Obviously, we miss his presence here on the show, and Brother Carter is just as responsible for the success of the show and especially what the hell's wrong with AEW as I am. Um, and Brother Carter has been a big major role player uh, for this podcast and more importantly as a brother in my life. So I, I want to give a shout out to him and hope he had a great birthday. Um, last bit of shout outs here I want to give out is to the people that have been helping me out with this journey that I've been on for the last six months uh, with my workout stuff um, and the life changes I've been making and everything in, in between. Um, first, I want to give a shout-out to my Diti Lucy and Theo Jose for um, the constant encouragement 
and um, consistency and just care throughout this process. Uh, they've done a lot for me uh, in helping me make this transition of going from my first apartment back to here, uh, making it smooth and peaceful for me. And uh, just having that love and affection, uh, like all family members do, has been really nice to see. And they show through their actions too that they genuinely care about me and want to see the best side of me. And I, I, I really been cherishing these last six months, getting to reconnect with them. And it's really been a blessing in a lot of ways um, to have them back in my life and to, for them to just, you know, enjoy what I do. And, you know, they encourage me with the walks that I do encourage um, Diti Lucy taught me how to cook <laughs> I know how to cook now, which is pretty cool. And I'm just very um, appreciative for both of them for just everything. You know, they, they've made a lot of sacrifices and done a lot of stuff for me along the way with this journey. And, you know, it, again, something I was missing a lot when I was at the other place was just that lack of encouragement and, you know, checking in and seeing how I'm doing. You know, people reach out to me here and there, but to have that genuine want and care to see how I'm doing and if I'm in good spirits. And, you know, I've been able to express some of the frustrations that I've dealt with over the years and things that I've been healing from. And I, I just really appreciate what they've done for me. And it's been it's been a fun ride. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday when I told uh, my Diti Lucy that I was ready to really start um, making these changes that I've been doing for the last six months and reimagining and reshaping myself and just going at this 100% balls to the wall. And um, she's been one of my biggest advocates along the way. So I just want to give a shout out to my DD Lucy and um, Jose. And I want to give a shout out to my Wella and Wello for, um, first of all, allowing me to move in here and letting this apartment be available to me when I didn't have to. Uh, it's been really nice to reconnect with them. Frito, I, I mentioned this before, but I kind of lost touch over the years with my da dad's side of the family because of um, the pandemic. And it, it kind of sucked because I obviously I love both sides of my family very much, but I, I did lose touch in communication with uh, my dad's side of the family. And I, I love my um, grandparents a lot. Uh, I don't get to see my Wello as much because he's, uh, you know, us, Lopez, a lot of us have our hustler genes. And um, we have um, a lot of people who are very busy and do a lot of stuff and are always out doing things and stuff like that. Um, and I see him here for sporadically, but it's always good interactions with him. And of course, my Wella, um, she's so sweet, man. And she has the, one of the greatest souls I've ever known in my entire life and just so caring and positive. And another, again, another big source of encouragement for me, um, not only just with the walks and everything, but, you know, she's definitely one of the best cooks I've known in my entire life. <laughs> and I, I open. I openly admit that and acknowledge that um, my will is special. She's a wonderful person. And um, it, it's just, it's been really cool, man. You know, um, I, I, I'm starting to sound like a broken record here, but you guys know how crappy this year has been for me. But to have the um, support 
uh, internal support that I've had throughout this process for the last six months and the process where I'm starting to trust myself again in regaining self-confidence and being happy with who I am and waking up in the morning and, you know, not feeling in pain or bloated or, you know, just everything in between. I'm seeing progress. You guys can go back and watch videos of our past episodes in the podcast. By the way, you should like this video and subscribe to our channel if you're watching and listening to us on YouTube. Um, just the whole magnitude of what I've been able to accomplish here in the last six months is just really rewarding. And it's something that I already knew that I wanted to do um, when I started the next chapter in my life. And I, you know, I just feel personally professionally, I was taking like step back after step back and taking three step back. And, you know, when you have those uh, internal gut punches that life throws at you at times, uh, it's about how you adapt. And I, what's really been cool is that their encouragement just continues to motivate me to continue to do what I'm doing. And that by the time I do reach the goal that I'm going for with this uh, weight loss journey, um, it's just going to be, it's going to be pretty fucking cool. So again, I just want to give a big shout out to my Titi Lucy, Jose and uh, Wella and Wella for um, having me here at this new apartment and also, most importantly, I want to give a big shout out to my dad. He's been a big cog to this um, situation. And, you know, I was, when I got furloughed, I was spending about a month or so helping him out on his work route. And there was an accident that happened on the south side uh, right before my birthday where I messed up my ankle really bad. And, um,. Just everything that was going on, man, it was frustrating for both of us, you know. You never want to see your kid being frustrated and not not understand why you can't catch a break or, you know, whatever the situation is. You, you never want to see your kid going through that. And my dad's been helpful in so many ways, man, uh, to help me. He's the one that came up with the idea for me to come here, you know. And I honestly felt I would be taking another step back if I went back to my old house. And for the fact that this opportunity came where I could start anew, reconnect with my dad's side of the family, and start, just start reevaluating a lot of things. Just something that um, I'm very appreciative. And he, he's, he, he was a big role, man. Him and his friends did a great job. And making this <laughs> an empty apartment for what it was uh, presentable. It's awesome. It, I got everything I could ever want or ask for here. And I, and I really, I'm not really a person that really asks or needs a lot of things. Uh, but, you know, him and his friends did a great job in making this uh, comfortable living situation for me. And again, I'm just very grateful for uh, what he did to make this a reality for me. He, brought, he gave me the idea. And, um, yeah, man, he's the man. So I just want to give a shout-out to my dad as well. And, again, I, I'm, I'm just very thankful for each and every single one of you who um, continue to support this podcast. And um, we'll see what happens after 400. You know, I'm not making any concrete decisions here on November 23rd, 2023. But what I do know is that, I'm very confident in what 
the quality of content that we produce each and every single week. It's up to you guys where you guys think that I deserve to be on the same tier as a Justin Labar or Dave LaGreca or Peter Rosenberg or et cetera, et cetera. Look, man, I'm a one-man show. <laughs> I'm a um, one-man entity here, man. We don't. We, we we don't make money. We don't have advertisement. I'm not the greatest with graphics. Um, we've been doing pretty decent for one man band here uh, with 866,000 uh, downloads. Um, and we're very close to reaching a million. And if we, if I can hit that benchmark, I think that is going to be a big source of um, personal validation for myself. That I was able to accomplish that with a project like this, where it's not being funded by a major platform. And, you know, as each month and year goes by where I miss not on going to these events and not getting the opportunity to cover events in person or be part of the wrestling, wrestling uh, the WrestleMania press box and stuff like that. Does that, does that bring me down? Yeah, because I am goal-oriented, and I know that I'm good at what I do, and I know I deserve to be on the same platform and stages as these other people. But I know – I don't want you guys to ever think that I'm doubting myself that I, and, and I don't think that I'm not good at what I do. I I don't openly express it because I don't want to come off as pretentious or something that I'm not, but I know – that I'm good at what I do. And I know that I I put my content on this authenticity against anybody and it's genuism. And it's really up to you guys to say whether or not this show is making a positive impact in your life or this show is worthy to be ranked against some of these higher, higher ranked podcasts and stuff and the stuff that Conrad Thompson's done. Uh, with ad-free shows and stuff like that. Look, I, I would love to be a guy that's hosting the show with a former wrestler. I would love to be a guy that's at these media scrums and being at WrestleMania press boxes and stuff like that. But I don't know. Maybe that's not in the cards for me. I don't know. I got into this broadcasting field. I wanted to test myself. Um it's brought out the best of me in a lot of ways and bringing back some self-confidence that I never had uh, and bringing me out of my shell in a lot of ways because a lot of years I hid behind my guitar when I was younger and I was just pursuing music. But this journey of being in the media has really brought out a lot of great things in my life. And I don't take that for granted. I, I mentioned the story last week that I was – um, born deaf and had hearing issues growing up. <laughs> so each and every single week, again, I'm just very grateful for the fact that I've been blessed with the things I have been able to accomplish at a young age. And, and, and you know, I'm just in this reflective state of mind right now because I'm turning 30 next year. And, you know, I'm just now realizing that I'm going to be okay. I'm doing the right things. I'm on the right path. And I'm just very grateful for the fact that I'm not distracted, I'm not getting myself into traps, I'm not, I'm not letting people that don't matter bring me down to their level, and I'm just continuing to be consistent with what I do. And um, a lot of things we do here on the podcast of Hoops, that's just um, what we do is um, 
we have vulnerable conversations. And a lot of times I like to share advice with you guys and share some of my stories and why it matters to me. So um, to wrap up this monologue, I wanted to play something for you guys um, that really stood out to me. Um, And we all deal with relationship type of stuff, but I wanted to play this clip for you guys. A couple of pieces of motivation in quotes here. So I hope you guys like it. So let's play it here. All right, I got it. It's a breach. When trust has been broken, what I've learned, what I've learned, this goes for men and women. You have to understand it takes such a long time to build trust in one moment to destroy it all. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes to earn the trust back. Hear me. I don't mean, you know, someone constantly testing you and it, it almost feels like a never ending journey of earning the trust. I'm not saying that. It's what I've learned. Someone can decide to forgive you, say, you know what, I'm going to give you another chance. Someone can decide to come back together, but that doesn't mean they're going to be, they're not going to be triggered no more. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be affected when they see signs or they may have a night where they can't stop thinking about the breach. They can't stop thinking about the betrayal. And you may have to deal with emotions. You may have to deal with uh, anger. You may have to deal with frustration. You may have to deal with scenarios where you may say, bro, that happened last year. Come on. That happened mad long ago. I thought we was done with that. What I've learned is you got to be open to all of that. You got to understand there was a breach. And even if someone takes you back or even if someone decides to still be friends, still be in that romantic relationship, still be in that marriage. See, you have to be if you value that relationship and you're saying you acknowledge the mistake you made, you acknowledge the bad decision you made. You have confessed or admitted to the wrong in the relationship when there was a breach. You have to be open to being patient, to being understanding and saying, you know what? I know you're triggered and I'm sorry again for the breach. And I understand how the breach has deeply affected our relationship. Watch this. You can ask this beautiful question and code it with this beautiful statement. If there's anything that I can do that can restore some level of security or stability to our relationship after I broke your trust, please let me know. And I am willing, here's the statement, and I'm willing to do whatever is needed that's how much I value this relationship. Ask that person, is there anything I can do that, that can start the journey of restoration and let them know I'm willing to do whatever it takes? All right. I don't know. Let's start off the show here with uh, a segment that we started a few years ago. It's been sweeping the nation, and it's something that I look forward to doing each and every single week. It's a segment loved and known and just appreciated and acknowledged by the entire world of professional wrestling. And uh, this is the segment the pros listen to. Ladies and gentlemen, we created this segment called What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? It's a segment to address the things that wrestling media members put a blind eye to and act like AEW does nothing wrong. But it's also a segment where I point out the things that I do enjoy from all elite wrestling. And we got a pay-per-view to review. We got a Dynamite episode that happened earlier tonight uh, at Wintrust Arena as I'm recording this late going into Thursday morning. Um, so this is a little uh, Thanksgiving Black Friday gift to you guys. Um, let's get this started. And the first segment of the show is 
uh, do restaurant quality edition of what the hell is wrong with AEW. Let's start this bad boy off in a three, a two, a one. Your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat. I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022, we're living in my time is now. My time is right, god damn now. Man, what intensity. The quality of the product and the quality of the shows is at an all-time high right now. But I do know that it's a real war between AEW and WWE. I'm still cashing fat checks. And I am still banging the hottest bitch in this entire place. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. What the hell's wrong with AWs? Watch about the good folks at adfreeshows.com. All right. Let's talk about it. Before we get into Dynamite, I guess we should start things off with Full Gear. And there's really four main talking points that I want to address in this segment this week. It's obviously the pay-per-view because we have, as tradition, no that we do here in the podcast that we review pay-per-views. We talk about the weekly show. Um, usually there's something outside the ring that we have to address. And there was a media scrum and Tony Khan can't, excuse me, Tony Khan continues getting his own way and has opened this big stupid mouth and then we'll get into the excrement impression so let's start off with full gear because there's been controversies and there's been a lot of debates about whether people thought this was a great pay-per-view a good pay-per-view or stuff that's just eye-rolling that makes you not want to watch the product anymore there's there was a lot of different opinions that was expressed that happened in uh, full gear this past Saturday night. Um, I have a couple of thoughts in the show that happened in Los Angeles uh, this past Saturday night at the Forum. Um, there's stuff that I enjoyed. There's stuff that I thought it was okay. And then there's other stuff that, again, just reminds me of the Outlaw Munch show that we watch and cover each and every single week. And as now AEW doing more frequent pay-per-views and the quality of the pay-per-views that they produce and the extended lengths of these pay-per-views, I just have to ask you guys, are you generally feeling that you're getting your money's worth when it comes to the quality that AEW is producing with these pay-per-views at this point? Because I can't tell you right now whether I agree with that question or if that sentiment or not. There's shows that I enjoy. 
there's pay-per-views that I don't. And being fully transparent, I don't pay for these pay-per-views. And for anybody that did spend money on full gear this past weekend, more power to you. Um, let's start off with the positive stuff. Um, I really like the ladder match, uh, the four-way tag team ladder match for the AW World Tag Team Titles. Ricky Starks and Big Bill retained over um, FTR, the Kings of the Black Throne, and uh, Russian Dread Lysico. I thought it was a very good ladder match. Um, obviously, FTR is great in everything that they do, and they show that they belong in any type of match. So it was cool to see them do what they do. Um, obviously, I'm a big mark for the House of Black, and um, kind of surprised that they did not win this match. But they're going strong with this team that was thrown together with Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Big Bill. You know, this was a big moment for him in his career because this is the first actual title he ever won in a wrestling company. And that's a big deal. You know, we all know that Big Bill's had to deal with a lot of personal demons outside of the ring over the last couple of years. But here's another example of a guy reshaping and reimagining his life for the better. And look at it, man. He's killing it right now. So I'm very happy for him and his story. So that was very cool to see. So I really enjoyed the ladder match. Um, I also liked the uh, triple threat match that went down for the um, AEW uh, TBS Championship where we saw uh, Julia Hart become your new TBS champion. Uh, I thought the match was good. I thought um, Sky Blue continues to get better with each outing. Um Chris Stantlander, I think she's underappreciated and she's been a victim of bad timing and just injuries. And it's like she can't seem to pick a momentum anytime she comes back, which really sucks because, you know, at the moment of time, she was getting a little bit of buzz and momentum with the audience. And then there's always injuries that get in the way, or by the time that she comes back, uh, people want to see other wrestlers get the title. And it's just a crappy situation to find yourself in sometimes in the world of professional wrestling. But it's not a knock to her because she's a phenomenal wrestler. She's hot. <laughs> I'll be honest, Chris Stantlett is definitely sexy for sure. But um, she's talented in what she does. And, you know, we had Sky Blue. We had Julia Hart. I mentioned before over the last couple of weeks and episodes that Julia Hart in my opinion, has been one of the more improved homegrown towns from AW, and that's a good sign to see. They need a lot more of those, and a lot more of those people get opportunities in TV time. But uh, I, I thought the ladies had a really good triple threat match. Uh, the six-man tag that kicked off the show with uh, Darby Allen Sting at Edge against uh, Christian Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, I thought was pretty decent as well. And then the last positive thing I need to mention here was the uh, Texas death match with uh, Swerve Strickland and Hangman Page. Look, you guys know me. I'm not much for the GCW style of wrestling and just bleeding and having uh, no DQ matches for the sake of having no DQ matches, kind of like Impact Wrestling at times. Um, I want to give a big shout to Swerve and Hangman because this rivalry has been very, very good in top tier from the match they had at Wrestle Dream to what we saw on Saturday night. Uh, one of the best um, hardcore stimulation matches that I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, I, I thought it was phenomenal uh, what they were able to pull off this past Saturday night. You know, some of the crazy spots, you know, somebody 
laying shards of glass on your back and then doing a 450 splash into it seconds later is insane. We all know a lot of scuttlebutt about the staple gun stuff and, you know, people drinking blood. And <laughs> it was not for the faint of heart, to say the least. But, um, and as much as critical I've been on first trick I'm not one of these people that run away from uh, admitting that they're critical performers and backpedal and stuff like that. I, I'm openly transparent with that. I don't think you get a lot of that in wrestling podcasting to admit where you're wrong on certain performers. There's been times where, you know, I have been hit and miss on Swerve and just being honest. And I, for me, I don't have sympathy for performers who run to dirt sheets for people to feel sorry for, for them and in regards to their creative and stuff like that. As many of you guys know, I do not watch or cover professor wrestling based on what's going on behind the scenes and me trying to act like I'm an expert or I have all the right answers to what's right or wrong when it comes to booking on a subjective pro wrestling television show. And, you know, when I hear performers run to dirt sheets and have people feel sorry for them and leaking stuff behind the scenes, again, to garner sympathy, whether it's him Athena, Mustafa Ali, et cetera, et cetera. We all know who they are. <laughs> it's it's not hard to see when people say, according to my sources, we know who the source is. So I'll admit, a big part of my not disdain or anything, I, I always thought that Swerve was a cool dude. I was a big fan of his work in Lucha Underground. I enjoyed, obviously, what he did at NXT. Uh, and I think he's a good dude, and I think he's obviously him being a talented wrestler has never been a question of mine. But him as a main event guy, him as uh, this groundbreaking performer, I had my questions too. Because a lot of times, malcontents can get in their own way. And I wasn't sure how it was going to work. You know, I was not crazy about the stuff he did with Keith Lee. It just wasn't. That feud made no sense. The tag team was thrown together just for being a tag team. Um, They were transitional champions. um, And they were, I don't know, I I just wasn't vibing with it. But, you know, what he's been doing recently, um, he's getting the push, obviously. Um, there's going to be a little little asterisk attached to what he does, obviously, because his cousin is part of creative. So people doubt him on that. But as always, talents oversees perceptions. And talents are the people that deliver at the end of the day. And those are the people that matter. Um, yeah, you can be part of a creative team, but it's about the execution. And Swerve is just delivery now. And he's getting a lot of momentum. And people are vibing with Prince Nana, and I'm vibing with Prince Nana. I do the dance all the time. I, I'm a big fan of Prince Nana, and I'm I'm a fan of Swerve Strickland, and he has a, a bright future ahead of him. So I could openly admit here on a podcast that I was wrong about Swerve being a next marquee main event guy, and I openly admit to that. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed that match. Uh, it was fantastic. I was kind of hoping that Heyman won. Um, it's kind of a bad look for you to be, uh, you know, 
losing a Texas death match after a guy went into your house and starts messing around with your kids' stuff and just invading home and privacy. Like, you know, <laughs> when that happens, it's just like it's on site. <laughs> That's where we get to at that point. Uh, like I mentioned last week. And I was not surprised that this match stole the show. I mean, Ray Charles could have saw that coming a mile away. So um, I want to give a shout out to Swerve and Hangman. All right, let's get into the crap of this pay-per-view because there's just some stuff that just made absolutely no sense to me. First, on the indifferent part, um, I did I gave two shits about the, the Hardly Boys against Jared COVID and Twinkle Toads with Fingerfuck. Um, obviously, they were in a crappy position following the Heyman Page and Swerve match, but the match was just there for me. Sure, there was a couple of cool counter spots here and there, but you've seen every Young Bucks match that you need to see. They're all the same, same layouts. Um, I mentioned before that Chris Jericho is a cloud chaser at this point in 2023, and as much as I've softened my stance on Kenny Olivier, there's still still stuff that I just don't care for with his offense, and you know that random Sega eight-man mud show that we saw on the previous Dynamite obviously uh, just was not my alley or up for my cup of tea. But it was just a match. I, I just didn't care. Like, what purpose did it serve? And all oh, boo-fucking-who, the Young Bucks show a temper tantrum after the match is over. Now, supposedly, they're not part of BTE. Now, they're not friends with Kenny anymore. Kenny, what happened? You betrayed us. And speculation of whether or not they're going to be backstage at AEW shows going forward. I don't know what's going on with the Bucks. I don't care what's going on with the Bucks. Um, I think they showed their cards where they decided to go back to AEW because AEW enables their behavior. So the fact that they wouldn't take a chance and bet on themselves to see if they could work on a bigger level and a bigger platform. They decided to revert back to old faithful with AEW where we see them fight every other tag team known to man to the point where they needed to be justified on a pay-per-view by finding two random guys who just call themselves the Golden Jets because they're from Winnipeg. So that just randomly makes them a tag team. Whether they turned heel or not, I don't know, nor do I care. And, again, it just was there. So I I, I couldn't get two shits about that match. Um, the car shoot against Thomas Tony Storm. Happy that Tony Storm won, but once again, we got a further illustration of how inept Aubrey Edwards is as a referee uh, she continues to out her, outdo herself as the weeks go by. It's just amazing to me that uh, someone like her is like having this ego and bravado to her that she's just the greatest thing since sliced bread, which is fucking hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, uh, time of storm, Tony Storm practically is wasting like a minute and a half to put on a steel plate on her ass. So she can do this hip attack to a car Sheeta behind the referee's back. But you can obviously tell that she, that Aubrey is seeing Tony, you know, putting this on her ass and not doing anything about it. It just allows it to go happen. 
and I, I thought the fish in that match was ass, and it's just again yeah, another fair illustration of how adept um, Aubrey Edwards is at her job. Uh, pockets retained over John Moxley. I did not care about this match whatsoever. I don't care that they made it it all out. Um, I'm not a pockets fan. Just what it is. It is what it is. And then for the fact that you get the attention away from pockets retaining over Moxley because. We got to have afterbirth brawls and stuff in AEW. Here comes Wheeler Useless and bumping it, bumping himself into Hook and acting like a tough guy. Is anybody taking Wheeler Utah as a th- serious threat and somebody that you should be scared of? Get the fuck out of here. On another positive tip, though, I want to give a shout-out to Claudio Casanoli and Buddy Matthews. I thought their match... Uh, on the zero hour was pretty good. Um, I guess we should get into the main event too, because this was certainly a point of contention for me coming out of this preview and why it's kind of lowered down my feelings on it. Um, we had MJF and Jay White for the AW World Championship. Now, MJF and Samoa Joe defeated the Gun Club um, in the zero hour. After the match, the gun club tried to pilmanize uh, the ankle of MJF. He has to be taken away on an ambulance. He's telling Adam Cole, who's surprisingly at the show, that uh, please don't let them take the title away from him. So uh, JY is trying to uh, do the cocky thing where he comes out and brings out a referee and wants to have Max counted out so it can be handed the championship. It's just so strange where... You know, a lot of AEW fans go out of their way to say that, oh, if Jay White went to WWE, he would be lost in the shuffle. They dangled that uh, Jay White's having this miraculous uh, success in AEW. Just like MJF, just like FTR, Jay White's success is on his accord, not the fact that he's in AEW. The fact that he needs the gun club and Bullet Club Gold, and playing keep away the title, and having the guns attack MJF and send it to the hospital, and then trying to get a forfeit victory. It's where some random way, JY has this ironclad contract where if Max is unable to show up or something happens, JY's automatically handed the title, and you know, I, I really don't talk about booking on this show, but this was one of the most over-convoluted booking things I've seen in a long while. So, we're supposed to believe that Adam Cole, who I love, big Adam Cole fan, always will be Adam Cole fan, we're supposed to believe that Adam Cole could take MGS place while he's in full crushes and has a walking boot. Uh, attached to him. <laughs> and they go through the championship introductions. And then we have uh, Max come back to the arena. Super babyface Jones comes in with the uh, ambulance driving back into the forum. And MJF is, you know, holding his quad. And he has injuries too. And he's messed up. And then... <laughs> There's so much that I can suspend my disbelief as a wrestling fan. And yes, uh, to a certain extent, when it comes to certain aspects of the industry, I am jaded just due due to my experience of covering the industry and covering a lot of different promotions. So 
when I see false narratives and I just see what I watch with my two eyes, I don't believe that Jay White would be lost in the shuffle in WWE, nor do I believe he's just some major success right now in AEW. I'm not seeing the guy that I saw in New Japan. This is a more watered down. Um, I, I know that Jay White, in his own way, was cowardly with the Bullet Club and stuff like that as a heel. I understand that. But it looks like this dude is like a whiny sack of shit who can't do anything by himself. And it's just not the way it was presented in New Japan. This is like a watered-down version of Jay White. So you get this version of Jay White going through all these hurdles, all these bells and whistles to get in a position where he doesn't have to do anything just to hold on to a title that he never won in the first place. Because, again, we have to play keep away like we're fucking six-year-old school kids. And he has Adam Cole in the ring. <laughs> and Jeff comes back. And he still loses. I'm not taking away from the fighting spirit spirit of Max and what he was able to pull off in the match and him doing a, a flying os cutter to the outside, you know, and all the stuff, the tombstone, and he's selling the knee and they're working body parts. I get all of that. But at what point do we start suspending our disbelief? Here's a world title match, a grudge feud, where we needed all these bells and whistles because we can't just let Max defeat Jay White cleanly on pay-per-view. So what is it? Is Jay White a big-time player? Can this big-time player can't handle a clean loss on pay-per-view where you have to make the guy look like a fucking J-A-G and... Just make him look like a uh, random jabroni twat here to have it. Oh, here, here's our pay-per-view offer for the week. Uh, here's the, here's our monthly pay-per-view offering, right? MGF will fight uh, this person for the world championship. And it's, you have a guy on one leg beating a guy who's fully fresh, a guy that's supposed to be looked at this legitimate threat and this big, big-time player as a heel, and now he loses to a guy that has one leg and distracted by a guy that's on two crutches. So, excuse me if I'm not overly excited over the fact that my guy Jay White is being... Um, I don't even know what the term would be, but like just to have Jay White... Go through all that. A 30-plus minute match with a guy who supposedly only can work with one leg and to still lose in the manner that he did, it's just embarrassing. And I thought that match ended off in a wet fart. It was just there. I saw it coming up my way. No, I never thought that Max was going to lose the championship. But in the manner of which it went and the fact that Max was going that fucking long and you're doing these counter spots and... It was just getting ridiculous to the point where I'm like, please take the title off him so you can give Jay White some fucking credibility. So we have bells and whistles. The gun club come out. They get ejected from ringside. And then they come back again to ringside, even though they're ejected, which makes no fucking sense. And I just thought the match layout was just fucking stupid and made Jay White look like a J-A-G, man. Like, I'm not saying that Jay White is buried or he can't recover from this. What I'm saying is that this match, in the concept of doing 
Max being sent to the hospital and Adam Cole stepping in for him. All of that just for MGF to somehow sweep over a victory over JY is just I don't it was over convoluted for me and I just thought it did nobody any favors. So it, yeah, you could throw it back to my face. Well, they're do, doing it because Adam Cole is going to be the devil. Great. Adam Cole's going to be the devil. You could telegraph that from fucking Jupiter and Mars. Is that a good thing? Is it a good thing that we're making it that obvious that Adam Cole is going to be the devil? And the fact that people are even dangling the idea that Tony Khan could be the fucking devil is grade A homogenized Holstein bullshit. Nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to see that twat as an on-screen character. He's not Vistic Man in business. He's not Vistic Man as a wrestling promoter. And he sure as fuck is not Vistic Man as an on-screen character. So get that out of your head of Tony Khan being the devil. No, I don't believe this whole stuff of the bidding war of 2024. It's a work. Obviously, Jeff has some quiet handshake deal that he had with Tony. Where we'll get more details going into 2024 about how long he's staying there. No, I did not expect him to leave. We'll see what happens for him after that. But I don't know, man. The lot of the stuff that's been going around for the last couple months where Max has to fight twice on the same night on pay-per-view, you know, what happens to Adam Cole at Grand Slam and everything in between. It's just really selling my fun and entertainment and enjoyment of this title reign for Max. Yes, he had the Kenny Olivier match. Yes, he's the longest reigning AEW World Champion of all time, but... I'm just not I'm, I'm not buying and clicking with this babyface shit. This just screams Chris Jericho all over it. And I, I'm just I'm I just don't care. I don't. So overall I would give full gear a B minus. Um I thought the good stuff overweighed the bad, but there was just stuff that I never I, I just don't get these feeling coming out of these pay-per-views that AEW is building any type of momentum that's going to be sustainable. These are shows that are there where we have matches that way overstay their welcome. And it's just there. And then we have these two-hour long fucking press conferences with Tony Khan. And it's just, I don't know. I, I just wasn't, I wouldn't say this was a great pay-per-view or anything. I thought it was decent. I would give it a B-. minus. There's a couple pieces of business I need to address before we get into Dynamite. Um, obviously, big news coming out of the pay-per-view was that Will Ospreay is now officially All Elite. I have no issue with the fact that Will Ospreay decided not to go to WWE. If that's something that he did not want to do, where he wanted, if there's some, if it was a real big contention for him, where he did not want to be on the road that much, and he wanted to have this time with his family. I completely understand that and respect that. I do. I really do. I don't have an issue with that at all, to be honest with you. Um, the way he was hyped, though, just, I don't know. It just felt flat for me. 
And I just don't see this as a big move as other people are making it out to be because I've already seen what Will Ospreay is in the AW realm. So we're getting all excited for Will Ospreay to be under the thumb of Don Callis. As if Will Ospreay can't be his own fucking man on this show. We've seen Will Ospreay on multiple pay-per-views. We had the Olivier match at the Forbidden Door, which I, I, again, despite my criticism at times for Kenny, those two had a fantastic match. And they had a great match at Wrestle Kingdom this past year. And I've already seen Will Ospreay against a lot of these guys already. I'm not seeing anything new. Yeah, you could do the MJFU. Maybe you have Will Ospreay against Brian Danielson. If Brian Danielson ever decides to stop being a liability and being honest with himself and take less time off of TV and not rush in to do a fucking cosplay G1, yeah, that'd be a great match to see too. But there's nothing new about this move for Will Ospreay being in AW. It's another guy who does just about the same things that Kenny Omega does and is probably going to draw the same amount of viewers as Kenny Omega. There's nothing about this move with Will Ospreay that rings true that AEW is going to have this spike of interest and ratings by the time his contract expires with New Japan. And to also say as a fellow New Japan fan. I don't like the fact that New Japan always gets in the fucking fetal position when it comes to their stuff with AEW. I get it that you want to have the association and the working relation with them. That's fine. But it's way more one-sided with the dynamics of New Japan and AEW than it was with Impact Wrestling a couple years ago. And I, me and Brother Carter called them out on it and saw that coming a mile away when it was happening in time. So, look, Will Ospreay, I will always rock with him because he's a Taurus. He's a good brother. And we both share the same birthday. I'm a big fan of Will Ospreay. I'll never turn on Will Ospreay because... Oh, he didn't go to WWE or whatever. Look, that's his prerogative. He didn't. If he didn't want to be there, that's okay. That's his choice. But there's nothing about this move that rings like, oh my god, AEW's going to get some big rising momentum with Will Osprey coming in. Okay, we'll see Will Osprey against Swerve, and we'll see got him in rematches that we've seen already. I seen him already against John Moxley. I saw him at the Odium Expo Center. Um, for the Windy City uh, Riot show um, for New Japan. Um, I, I've already seen Osprey and Olivia. I've seen him with Chris Jericho at All In last year. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could count on both my hands the number of people or new fresh matches that I want to see him in in AEW. I, I, I can't really do that for you guys right now. It's just there for me. I just don't give a shit. (laughs) He's there, and by the time we get to 2025, you've probably seen him fight almost everybody on the roster and what else is there. I don't know the nature of what his contract looks like, but for all the hype that went into this decision, for a guy that's already been there and been on multiple pay-per-views and men's been on Rampage, and it's been on Collision, and it's been on Dynamite multiple times. 
don't know. It's just it's not a move for me that moves me in a powerful way, which I'm trying to explain here. So that's my thoughts on that. Next on the docket is Tony Khan's announcement about the Continental Classic. I've been pitching to have these round robin tournaments in WWE for a long time. So, yes, I don't have an issue with AEW doing this cosplay style G1 um, in their company right now with the Continental Classic, which started tonight at the Wintrust Arena in Chicago. What I have an issue with is the merits behind this tournament and what Tony Khan said at his media scrum. So, first of all, there's going to be another title being added to the AW plethora streams of content. <laughs> and we have <laughs> we have the AW Continental Championship, which will be crowned at World's End. That's the end of this tournament. And it's merging the Ring of Honor and the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. At what point do we need to convince Tony Khan that nobody gives two-fifths of a fuck about Ring of Honor? Can we be honest about that? Am I being too critical when I say that? Three titles on the line merging into one, I just think it's too much. If you wanted to say, hey, whoever wins this match will fight MJF or whoever the fuck is the champion by 2024, that winner will fight him at Revolution. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. But it's just that. And then Tony Khan having the balls to say, hey, I know you got, I know a lot of people out there are like, hey, where's the sports-based wrestling? You got better put your money where your fucking mouth is. And saying that with just such bravado and such arrogance for a guy who acts like this shit's don't see because he gets these little Meltzer Booker of the Year awards. Dude, man, has some fucking self-awareness. I get it that you got a lot of money. Great. You're inept as a wrestling mind. You're inept as a wrestling promoter. You make fucking Dixie Carter look like Vince McMahon. So when I hear him go out his way and going after fans who have a critical eye towards his product, I remember he made like some big deal on a press conference the other uh, the other week about some mark on the Zerber giving what, an AEW show or pay per view uh, a thumbs in the middle, and he was flabbergasted by by because he wanted to know he wanted Day to let him know. Which subscriber the observer gave his precious little AEW a thumbs middle thumbs in the middle. Half the time that's me when it comes to AEW shows. The product is mid. Tony Khan as a promoter is mid. Uh, there's no momentum. There's no legitimate sustainability with anything on any of their brands when it comes to ratings and metrics. You have a lot of great towns here and there that are not either getting utilized or just being completely forgotten. And we always got to 
squeezing stuff about Ring of Honor that nobody gives a fuck about on Dynamite, Rampage, or Collision. So, yes, you're doing a cosplay version of the G1. You got my attention. But to throw out this bravado that your shit don't sink you, you, of all people, are telling wrestling fans to put their money where their fucking mouth is. Well, I can turn the tables back on you, Kalan. Well, how about this? How about you put your money where your fucking mouth is and stop going and seeking advice from Meltzer and Alvarez starting in 2024? How about you start doing this shit on your own, Mr. Booker of the Year? Prove to us that you're not a fucking dirt sheet, Mark, and you actually are good at what you do. You want to tell us where to put our fucking mouths at? It's it's one thing to talk a big game, but you you better be you, you can talk a big game, but you better walk that walk too, fucking clown. Then we had dynamite tonight in the Wind Trust Arena. I did not need to see Jake Hager on my TV screen. Did not need to see Wheeler useless attack hook. Does anybody have any bit of an interest in seeing Hook in a program with Wheelie Yuna? Because I sure as hell don't. After that, we saw a nice little finish to the trios match where they're trading uh, submissions with the different partners. I thought that was a nice spot. So that was cool. Uh, Swerve Strickland defeated Jay Lethal. We had the beginning matches of the Continental Classic. So on the gold side, we had... Uh, Swerve Strickland get a victory over Jay Lethal. We had, um, who was it? It was um, Jay White defeat uh, Roosh. I thought that was a pretty good match. Jay White got on the board there. And then the main event was uh, John Moxley and Mark Briscoe. Decent match. No harm, no foul. That's the main event. Glad that Mark Bristol got to participate in this tournament, so that was cool. But yeah, that was the matches there. Uh, we had a couple big segments on the show that I thought carried the show. I thought Dynamite was decent tonight. Um, the MJF and Cole segment with Samoa Joe. I don't know if it's a good thing if you want to make it that obvious that Adam Cole is a devil. And he might be revealed as a devil at the end of the day. And Look, it'll be a good life lesson for Max to realize that you can't trust anybody. You know, like So Cole says, don't trust anybody. But at the same time, to make it that obvious that it would be Adam Cole, okay, now Adam Cole wants to show up to these arenas. Now you see Adam Cole slowly getting off the chair where he's trying to tell Max to be a man and make these decisions and reminding him of the new Max and stuff like that. And we all know what it is with manipulation and playing mind games with other people to get to do them what we want. We can, we can lure them in to that moment where you strike them. But at the same time, I just to make it that obvious, it's just not a good look. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I wouldn't say it wouldn't make sense if Adam Cole was the devil. Because, again, just people you think you could trust are backstabbers and are assholes and are twats in their own way. So I, I definitely would completely understand if it was Anna Cole being a devil. 
But if you're going to make it that fucking obvious, can you at least make it good where you get a little wrench here and there? In some ways, I'm kind of hoping it is Jack Perry because I don't want it to make it that obvious for Adam Cole to be the guy to turn on Max. But if he does turn on Max and he is the devil, I will understand it. But I just still like how they're making it that fucking obvious that he's the devil, you know? I don't know if they were making it that obvious during the Monday Night Wars that Hogan was the third guy before the NWO um, joins forces. So, I don't know. I mean, people still care for the antics of MGF and Adam Cole together. And again, like I said before, MGF is one of the sole reasons why I watch AEW and I've always been a fan of Adam Cole. But the sooner or later we can end this cycle, we can end who and figure out who the devil is, and we can get Edgif back to being the real Maxwell Jacob Freeman, the better. That's all I want. That's all I want. And I think I'm being fair. Like, I'm not even yelling. I'm not uh, shitting on the guys. I'm just being open and transparent here with you guys. So um, that's my thoughts on that. And then uh, also a couple of things I wanted to put over. Uh, the Tony, The way they had uh, Tony Storm except the award for uh, winning the woman's title at full gear. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, she's killing it with her character work, so that was cool. Um, what else? Oh, I forgot to mention. My favorite part of Dynamite tonight wasn't even the stuff with MJF and Samoa Joe. So MJF and Samoa Joe be fighting each other at World's End. So that was the crux of that promo. Um, the stuff with Edge, Nick Wayne, Luchasaurus, a.k.a. Dino Douche, a.k.a. Kill Switch Dino Douche, um, and Nick Wayne's mom. I thought it was great. <laughs> Christian is the real MVP. I'm not even going to front about it. Uh, he, he's tremendous. So not only does Christian show how much of an asshole he is, he... Um, <laughs> He makes uh, Nick Wayne, you know, put his mom in position for the concerto. And then Edge comes in to make the save, right? Does a couple of spears. And then gives Nick Wayne the concerto right in front of his mom right before Thanksgiving. I saw that. Uh, I saw this on Dynamite, and I was just laughing my ass off. It was I, I thought it was a great segment, so I want to give shots to those guys. So. Yeah, that was the stuff that stood out to me for Dynamite this week. I guess I, I'll get into the extra main impression. It's really brief here, but um, let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming to you on Saturdays, a special live edition of AEW Rampage. And following that, we have the newest edition of AEW Collision, which features the matches from the Blue League in the AEW Continental Classic. First, we have Claudio Cassidy taking on uh, Brody King of the House of Black. From there, we have Daniel Garcia taking on. Excuse me, I got it wrong. Let's scroll, let's let's scroll that back. <laughs> let's scroll that back really quick. All right, let's do this. Five, four, three, two, one. 
All right, folks, coming to you live on Saturday night. We have a special three-hour window of AEW program. First, we have a special live edition of AEW Rampage. And from there, coming up on Saturday, we have AEW Collision, which features the Blue League band. Blue, <laughs> All right, third time is charm. I got this. I got this, okay? All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live on Saturday night. We have three hours of programming here on TNT. First, we have the those. I can't talk today. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to remember this stuff with a dog could be a blur sometimes. All right. I got this. Coming to you live on Saturday night on TNT. We have three hours of wrestling on Saturday night. First, starting off with a new special edition of AEW Rampage. From there, we have a, a new edition of AEW Collision, which features the Blue League matches in the AEW Continental Classic. First off, we have Claudio Castagnoli taking on Andrade Leo. And, of course, we got Eddie Kingston taking on Brody King from the House of Black. More matches being announced by Tony Khan. Make sure you follow Tony Khan on Twitter at Tony Khan to get all your information right now at AllEatWrestling.com. Don't forget to get your tickets right now at AWTIX.com. That's AWTIX.com. And on that note, we pose the question each and every single week. What the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Alright then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. this shit, I'm out. Yeah, guys, I'm here with the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley. And guys, after tonight, we now know you have qualified to face Judgment Day next week on SmackDown. But what would a, a new championship brain look like for, for the Street Profits? What would it look like? Well, absolutely, because next week, we're actually having an undisputed tag team championship in my hometown, Chicago, Illinois. And we've been saying for the longest how frustrating and stagnant the street profits have been for the last few years. And what better way to bring home the gold at home, crisp, fresh as zest, put to the test, because don't nobody do it the best, okay? The street profits will be undisputed tag team champions for the first time. That we've held gold in almost three years. It's happening next week in Chicago. So basically, what it's going to look like, it's going to look like dominance on arrival. And Bobby, listen, in the past you've talked about the Street Profits needing to prove themselves. Do you feel like at this point they have proven themselves? They've way past proved themselves. These guys are ready. Look at them. They look good. It's time to put prestige back to those titles. We got a lot of people running around with these titles that don't have class like these guys have. That's what we have. We're professionals, pros. Mm-hmm. Now, gentlemen, hey, it's time to go celebrate. Let's go All right. celebrate, man. All right. Good luck, guys. Always good so, seeing you, Caleb. Always, Always great seeing you. But next time you see us, we have gold yeah. for your soul. For my soul. All right, you have it. Back to you guys. You guys, I'm here with Carlito. And Carlito, I wanted to ask you about what Santos Escobar said earlier tonight. There was a lot of harsh words directed at Rey Mysterio, at the LWO, at yourself. But it was just made official. You versus Santos Escobar at Survivor Series. So can I get your reaction to that as well? My reaction? Well, 
He said a lot of things, and he did a lot of harsh things. Unfortunately, Ray Mysterio's not here, but Carlitos here. And at Survivor Series, I'm going to get payback for Ray Mysterio. That, that's cool. Thanks, Megan. I am joined by LA Knight. And obviously, we have to talk about the bloodline, but I do want to ask you about Cody Rhodes coming out there to help you. I don't even know where he came from. Let me talk to you. Here comes Cody Rhodes from Raw to make the save, and I appreciate that, and I'll tell you why, because what do we got? The bloodline, every single one of them got to come down there except conspicuous by his absence, the WWE champion, Roman Reigns, right? Yeah, but here's the thing. I said tonight, every single one of the bloodline, including Paul Heyman, every one of them will fall, but to think that Jimmy Uso... What, I've I've run through him? Nah, that's not enough. Just to hit him with a BFT and a 1-2-3? Nah, nah! We got to take it one step further. I got to make sure that there is no chance that Jimmy Uso can interfere. I got to make sure that there's no chance that Solo Sokoa can interfere. I got to make sure there's no chance that Paul Heyman can interfere the next time that I see Roman Reigns one-on-one. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. So if Cody Rhodes wants to come on down, he wants to give a little bit of help, because we do have a common enemy here, then I tell you what, come on down. We'll get it done. But here's the thing. Solo Sokoa, you come on down, you distract me, you hit me with the spike. Brother, I got something for you. It's called the business end of a BFT, and there ain't nothing you can do about that. And that's not an insult. That is just a fact of life, because whose game is it? You already know, with everybody saying L.A. Night. Yeah, we're live, pal. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, episode 388 of the Hoots Podcast here, ready to talk about what happened this week at WWE. Lots to discuss, and not so much time to do it, but let's get to it. Um, we do have Survivor Series War Games taking place this Saturday live on Peacock and also live emanating from the Rosemont Horizon, a.k.a. the Allstate Arena, a.k.a. my favorite place on Earth. <laughs> uh, this could be cool. It's always cool when you have these WWE shows at the Allstate Arena. It's always a good vibe and energy, just historically speaking. And I am biased. It is what it is. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Um, yes, I'm... I wouldn't say dejected, but a little bummed out that I won't be there to partake in the activities this weekend. But um, don't fret because I'm working and I'll get to cover these shows in depth, full, bull by blow details that you can check out at wrestlingheadlines.com. And also, don't forget, I still have my website open if you guys want to check it out prowrestlingtranscripts.com. Every transcript that I ever make or play by play article. It'll be released on that site. So uh, make sure to check out my work at both sites. Okay, um, let's start off with this. We got to start off with SmackDown because I do want to get to the uh, predictions. No. Um, we'll sprinkle in a little CM Punk conversation in here as well. Um, going back to SmackDown this past Friday night. By the way, speaking of SmackDown, tomorrow SmackDown is going to be on FS1. So for those who are watching or listening to this right now, don't forget, when the time comes around for SmackDown on Friday, make sure to check it out on FS1. It's not on uh, the regular Fox channel. Um, show kicked off with a promo segment between Damage Control and Team Bianca. Uh, this episode is really just setting a thread of figuring out who's going to be the uh, fourth member 
of Team Bianca as we head into War Games. Obviously, it wouldn't be a 5-on-5 scenario because Dakota Kai has been injured with a serious knee injury for the better part of the year, so she can't uh, participate in this match since this is going to be a 4-on-4 match. I got to say, man, um, coming out of the draft, I I wouldn't say indifferent, but you could tell that there really wasn't no momentum overall when it comes to the women's roster on SmackDown. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's been good, like, pay-per-view title matches and women's title matches overall. Like, I know a lot of people sometimes are like, oh, EO uh, Sky's title reign has been kind of, like, hit and miss. But for me, I never would say that's the case. Um, But, you know, as much as I've had an indifference towards damage control and that brutal, brutal theme song, that song sucks. (laughs) Um, They've been doing some really good work, and you have these little – Bits of tension here. What lies next for Bailey? Is she gonna get the boot? Is she gonna be sent out of damage control? I'm like I'm curious on that end to see how see where things go from that point of view. But um they kicked off the show. She's bragging about the fact that Asuka joined the group. Um Adam Pierce tells uh Team Bianca that they need to find a person by the end of the night, and that ends up being the man, Becky Lynch, looking as good as she always does, uh, comes in, place goes nuts. We have a Pier 6 brawl. Uh, Marlon announcing, Mamma Mia, it's War Games. <laughs> and um, I think it's a good choice. I mean, we all know Becky has her history with Bailey. It, I, I kind of feel bad for Bailey in a sense because it's going to be 7 on 1 by the end of the match at this point. Shasi can give two shits about Bailey. She cut her hair. We all know the history between her and Bianca. We know her jealousy and frustrations with Charlotte over the years. Then you got her whole group turning their back on her. She caused Kyrie Sane to leave the WWE. She's had her issues with Asuka, obviously. Um, and she's been overbearing and controlling over EO and Dakota, and it's all going to come back to bite her ass. And honestly, it's for the better because I think it's long overdue for her to go back to being a baby face. So um, Bailey, Bailey's got something coming to her uh, coming up this Saturday at, um, at war games. Do they win the match and then do the turn on her? Do they wait for the SmackDown after, um, Survivor Series, I'm not sure, but it's something to be in the lookout for. If you really think about it, seven on one, if you can't get sympathy out of that, I don't know what else to do. And the crowd will eat that up because, you know, this is long overdue. Damage Control's obviously been running roughshod over WWE and stuff like that. Um, you know, Team Bianca doesn't lose anything out of losing this match, uh, where Shotzi can take the pin. That's kind of the reason why she's in the match. But, you know, you have the storyline tension here between um, Damage Control and Bailey. Who wants the power? Who thinks their shit don't stink? All that stuff. So you have just about every bit of... <laughs> Um, you know, anything you could ask for from storyline purposes, I'm just really, really, um, it's really interesting to see how that, that's going to play out coming up on, um, 
on um, on Saturday. It should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's see what else we got to talk about here. Oh, I want to give a shout-out to that triple threat match. Uh, as you guys heard in the clip uh, coming up tomorrow, we have the Street Profits against the Judgment Day for the Undisputed Tag Team titles. If you're hearing it right now, I do believe the Street Profits will be your brand-new Undisputed Tag Team champions. Uh, that, that's definitely bound to happen for sure. Uh, so good on them. I think that's pretty dope. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that match. But they had a match with um, Pretty Deadly and uh, Brawling Brutes. Very entertaining match. Um, the, obviously, it's the right choice right now for the Street Profits to win. And if they get the titles, I think that's a, a big deal. I don't know whether or not they're coming up with new title designs or if we're just going to go back to one set of tag titles on both brands or just one just unify tag team title uh, situation, but I do believe the Street Profits will beat the Judge of Day. The writing's on the wall there, knowing that Team Cody would do something to mess with the Judge of Day's head and stuff like that. I totally can see the Street Profits winning uh, that match. And we all know that Bobby Lashley can spear Dominic Mysterio or J.D. McFlurry out of his shoes, so <laughs> we'll have to see how that one plays out. So, uh, Cool in the street province. I got to tell you, man, one of my favorite parts of SmackDown this week, and I, I thought this show in general was very, very good on showcasing the undercard talent on the brand. And this has been the case, and I think it's kind of something that people kind of forget because they're so fixated over the fact that Roman Reigns is not on these shows on a week-to-week basis, that you're getting a spotlight on a lot of these younger and developing guys that maybe you look on paper, oh, really? This guy is feuding with that or whatever? And that shouldn't be the case. Like, to say that, let's say, for example, if Will Ospreay decided to go to WWE, to say that he couldn't have good matches or a good program with Austin Theory or Grayson Waller or Santos Escobar or Damian Priest, et cetera, et cetera, I, I just don't think that's true. And these young guys are getting the opportunity to make a name for themselves and to have these uh, maximizing these TV opportunities to be presented as top guys and stuff like that. So, um, you know, when you hear the promo that Santos Escobar cuts on Friday on SmackDown, it's just top tier shit, man. Like he's a heel. He laid out perfect and justified reasons as to why he turned heel, kind of similar to Drew McIntyre this week on Raw uh, from Grand Rapids. And I, I, this promo with Santos is going to do a lot of favors. And here's the thing, and it's easy. It's kind of like a cheap pop in a way. But if you're saying that Dominic, Dominic Mysterio was right about his father, that's instant heat right there. <laughs> Poor kid can't cut promos without being booed out of the building. Everybody knows that they hate Dominic Mysterio. Where you want to get into uh, silly debates about whether the, the boos are genuine or not, um, that's that's your deal. Uh, I, I got two ears. I can hear two. But <laughs> that dude is getting legit heat. And you could try to attach asterisks if you want, but the guy is a heel. And he's good at his shit. Uh, same thing here with Santos Escobar. We found out that Santos will be fighting Carlito at Survivor Series. I like the fact that the match is ended on this show. You know, it's a grudge match. Maybe it'll be ending in the uh, disqualification or something like that. But uh, 
to maximize the time for Santos to elevate him to another level by the time Ray comes back from this injury, you got some good things cooking up there. And then you have other guys on the come up, like Dragon Lee, who had a barn burner this week with Axiom. Tremendous match. I I, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic match uh, between those two guys. Uh, That was pretty dope. Um, Grayson Waller had a victory over Cameron Grimes this week. Uh, we had the bloodline come out, and Paul Heyman just – if you didn't know that John Cena is not going to be there for a while, Paul Heyman just just made the <laughs> – put the exclamation point that um, John Cena was not going to be there and just kind of like openly admitting like, hey, John Cena is done. You're not going to see him again. Do, 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 do. <laughs> So Paul Heyman's promo, I thought, you know, Paul Heyman's promos are always good. I don't need to put it over. But you know the drill. He was doing this to emphasize what Sokoa accomplished at Crown Jewel. Out comes L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, L.A. Knight comes out. And basically he's um, trying to convince everybody that he's going to be the man that knocks down uh, Roman Reigns and ends the bloodline. And he's like, I need to take out uh, Jimmy Uso, who thinks he's him first. And then you got Solo, and he called Paul Heyman um, MC Boss Hog, which I thought was pretty funny. That went into the main event with LA Knight defeating Jimmy Uso. After the match, the bloodline starts attacking uh, Jimmy. And then we had um, Cody Rhodes make the save which is kind of interesting because we saw Cody Rhodes in Nick Aldis's, uh office earlier in the night. So I think there's some loophole here where Cody is doing something with Nick Aldis to kind of like, I don't know, even the waters, I guess, with the bloodline on SmackDown. And we all know that Cody still wants to get his revenge for what happened at WrestleMania 39. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. It's an interesting little twist to turn here. We'll have to see what Paul Heyman has to say on SmackDown this week. I would expect that Cody would be back on SmackDown tomorrow night. So, um, And then it poses a question out there because right now LA Knight does not have a match scheduled for Survivor Series. Does he? Do they have anything regarding LA Knight or the Bloodline at Survivor Series? Um, we'll have to see. That's why we watch the shows, right? <laughs> uh, let's go over to Monday Night Raw really quick, and then I'll sprinkle in some NXT as well. Uh, by the way, speaking of NXT, um, they got a pay-per-view coming up in a couple weeks. Not uh, next Sunday, but the – not this Sunday, but the Sunday after uh, will be um, NXT deadline. So two weeks Let's go over to Monday Night Raw this past Monday from Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is all set it up for the uh, Team Cody versus Judgment Day War Games match. Uh, kind of same scenario as on SmackDown where Adam Pearce now is telling the folks, hey, man, you need to uh, figure out who's going to be the fifth member of your team. And he's throwing out ultimatums. He's sick of everybody getting to Pure 6 brawls and stuff like that. And uh, Pierce is doing some good stuff on TV uh, recently, so we can give props there. Um, Raw, I thought Raw was um, good. I want to say it was a great show or anything like that. I, I thought the show was pretty decent for what it was. It served its purpose, and I thought the key parts of the show really delivered. What was cool about this week's episodes, the emphasis on the women's division on Raw. I 
I I could be wrong, but it had to be at least almost twenty five or twenty or, or almost thirty women that were on the show this past Monday night in big roles in big matches and you know maximizing their TV time. I, you know I could talk about um, Nia Jackson, Raquel Rodriguez. Usually that'd be a match where people are sitting on their hands, but for some reason the people in Grand Rapids were enjoying the match, and that's a good thing for a person like Raquel Rodriguez because I know uh, with her, obviously. Yeah, she flexes her back a lot, but there's really not much to her from a character point of view. But, you know, people were rooting for her. And that's also a good sign, too, for how good of a heel Nia, Nia Jax is. So you have that. And then you have Becky Lynch and Exia Lee have a very, very good and physical match. So that, that was another one. Then we had the um, fatal four-way match to uh, determine the number one contender to the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team titles. By the way, Chelsea Green is one of the best characters in all professional wrestling right now. She is phenomenal. Uh, I don't know who in wrestling, probably outside of Tony Storm, and um, maybe I could throw in uh, an MGF here, but like when it comes to like this, always maximizing TV time. She's she's just on another level right now, and Chelsea Green's hilarious. She's very good. I thought she was tremendous on commentary this week, but we had that, and then we had a breakout performance in the ring by uh, Maxine Maxine Dupree. Maxine Dupree. <laughs> uh, she was she was really good in that fatal four way match, but Natalia and Tegan Knox got the victory in that match, so they'll be. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll get a match with uh, Chelsea and Piper on Raw next week. Um, yeah, so that that's been fun to, to put uh, give some sh- uh, shine and spotlight to the ladies. Um, again, like I said, I thought the key points that they needed to make they really delivered on this week's episode of Raw. I mentioned the Drew McIntyre promo that kicked off the show. You know, basically saying he's justified and he, he hasn't changed. And if you turn on him, then you really weren't his fan in the first place. And all lies and issues lie on the hands of Jay Uso. This poor soul, man. I, I don't know who goes through more stress in wrestling than Jay Uso from an on-screen point of view. Dealing with the bloodline, uh, Trying to be accepted by KO. Now he has the issues with Drew McIntyre. Yeah, he runs into the Judgment Day, and then I'll, I'll get to what everybody wants to talk about. Obviously, with uh, coming up on Saturday, but like from a character point of view, you just got to think about the dexterity and the like the trauma and PTSD that this dude is dealing with from a character standpoint. I don't know how he keeps himself sane from a character standpoint, but it's pretty interesting to watch. Like everybody's out to get him. Now he's main event Jey Uso. The crowd's into him. He's over like Rover. But at the same time, it's like um, you know, Jey Uso <laughs> has Drew McIntyre going for him. He has the judgment day going after him. Who knows how things are gonna play out with him and Sammy. Does Sammy eventually start getting jealous of Jay Uso, and do they have an issue? Um, we always have that dynamic with any member of the Bloodline and Cody Rhodes. It's just something to watch out, and I think it's really something that Triple H should be complimented on for uh, the, just the different layers with a lot of different characters throughout both brands of Raw and SmackDown. Um, 
another segment, uh, The Miz and Gunther. I've been probably the most vocal, supportive, and this person putting over how excited I am for this matchup coming up on Saturday for the Intercontinental Championship. I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised if Gunther and Miz steal the show on Saturday. I don't care how you think about Miz's wrestling ability. He'll show you that himself this Saturday. Whether the match is 15 minutes or 20 minutes or however long it is, these two are going to put on the show. And Miz is getting consistent reactions from the crowd, and I get it that Miz is better as a natural heel than a good guy. I get it. I get it. I get it. But... It's not like the feud is not working, and it's not like this match is not going to be good. So for people to say that Gunther and Miz is a throwaway toilet uh, bathroom break match at Survivor Series, I think that's bullshit, if you want my opinion, to be honest with you. These two are going to put on the show. And I'm telling you right now, Gunther is the best overall professional wrestler in the world right now. I know I'm a Roman Reigns guy, and I I acknowledge the tribal team. But when it comes to pro wrestling and being versatile and character and wrestling all in between, Gunther is number one right now. He showed it again on Monday. You know, a lot of people would think like Gunther would struggle in a promo session with the Miz, and then he starts cooking the guy. Put a, he put he put little Mike Mizanin in, in an air fryer and raised it up to four hundred degrees. <laughs> I'm excited for this match, and I, I, it's gonna be great to see the people who are shitting on the idea and dogging this match, and you know who they are. Uh, Eat Crow when they put out one of the best matches on the pay-per-view coming up on uh, Saturday. So we had that. Um, and then we had Drew McIntyre um, against um, Jay Uso, obviously, as the main event for the advantage in the War Games match. So you got that. Uh, Drew McIntyre did end up winning, so it will be the judgment they have in the numbers match. Not really surprised. You know, it would probably be a bad look for Drew McIntyre to be like, hey, man, um, I'm this bad guy. You need to take me seriously. And then he loses to Jay Uso. So, and, you know, there's interesting dilemmas there on that end with Drew McIntyre and uh, Judgment Day. You know, yeah, he attacked Jay Uso, but – he said it on the show. He could give two shits about the members of the Judgment Day. And we all know Damian Priest being an insecure hothead, he doesn't like Drew McIntyre either. He's like, hey, man, you cost me the World Heavyweight Championship. So how how's that dynamic going to work out? Uh, there's just a lot of different things to chew on and see what direction is going to go. Sometimes you may think you might have the inkling of what's going to happen, and then you get curveballs here there, and that's why we keep watching these shows and keep you on your toes. So, yes, the Judgment Day won. Yes, we had another brawl. Out comes Team Cody with three steel chairs. Mamma mia, all hell's breaking loose in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> and then we, uh, Cody Rose let us know what we've been waiting to hear for 18 months. The Apex Predator, the Viper, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Randy Orton, is coming back this Saturday at Survivor Series. And the crowds get excited. I was excited while I was uh, covering the show. Um, 
it's gonna be dope, man. And then again, going back to the layers and the different parts of storytelling, you look at the face that Jay Uso was making towards the end of Raw this week, and just knowing, like, man, I can't catch a fucking break. I got Drew on my back. I don't know who else is going for me. I got the Judgment Day, even though I like to flirt with Rhea Ripley here there. And here comes the guy that I am partially responsible responsible for for taking off of television for nearly two years. Now he's coming back. Literally a year and a half, Rainier has been away from WWE television, and now he's back. How's that going to work? They're teammates. Rainier is not on Team Judgment Day. He's on Team Cody with Jey Uso. And he's like, man, you see it on his face. We all know that expression on somebody's face when they know that they fucked up and karma is coming to them. And I'm here for it, man. I'm excited for Randy to come back. You know, there's going to be a, a, a Baker's dozens of RKOs to be dished out. J.D. McFlurry will get one. I'm pretty sure Dominic will get one, which will pop the crowd. Um if Rhea Ripley gets an RKO during the match, because we all know there's no way that she's not going to try to interfere in the match, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> so, Randy coming back at the Allstate Arena is going to be pretty dope, and I know that Randy's had a lot of significant moments in that building, um, winning the WWE title in No Mercy, winning it in uh, the Night of Champions in 2010, uh, a classic match with him and Christian at Money in the Bank. Um, Randy's done a lot of cool stuff at the All-State Arena over the years, and I'm pretty sure if you ask him, it's probably one of his favorite buildings to perform in. So I think it's the right place in time for him to show up there, and I, it was a good call to not have him at Raw. I don't If he shows up on SmackDown t- uh, tomorrow to close off the show and go off the air, okay, maybe. But to, ha- to make the call not to have him show up right there at Raw as it's happening, I thought it was the right call. And for him to show up on Saturday, um, it's the right place and the right time. So I'm I'm happy to see Randy back. So I'm, I'm really pumped to cover this pay-per-view on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I know a lot of people this week have been going back and forth about CM Punk and, oh, they're only making this decision to – Make sure that the Chicago fans don't uh, hijack the show with uh, see a punk chance and stuff like that. Look, man, I don't know what it is with the community right now in the field where we had to just like yell at each other over whether or not see a punk is going to show up at Survivor Series or he should he or shouldn't he be there or we should wait for the Royal Rumble. It's just like some a lot of these people like just cling on to their takes. And that's really what it is, is I have a take and I'm going to cling onto that to death just to prove to you that I was right about something. So what happens if CM Punk does show up at the Allstate Arena this Saturday? What happens there? What's your reaction? Let's see how, let's see how you're going to backpedal when that goes on. Look, I'm not walking into this weekend with any expectations. If CM Punk shows up, yeah, I'm going to lose my shit in a good way. I'm going to be excited just like everybody else. If he doesn't show up, I'm not going to be dejected either. It's it's the same rule that I applied to myself when it came to when he first showed up in AEW. If he's there, 
I'm going to embrace that moment. And if I was, if I'm lucky enough to be there in person to experience that moment, obviously it'd be meeting a lot and I'm just going to enjoy it and be present in that moment. But when it comes to the idea of Punk coming back to WWE, it is a big deal. You know, people try to downplay it, you know, talk about is the juice worth the squeeze? Is, is it really worth getting this excited for CM Punk knowing all the drama and bad PR he's brought towards AEW over the last couple of years? I, I get all the I get all the criticisms and uh, you know discourse about the situation. I mean, I I, I can get the skepticism to a certain extent. I do. Um, just because CM Punk's my favorite wrestler doesn't mean that he's not at fault at times. But as I say that, you know, him showing up in WWE is a big deal. Now, the, does the company at this current juncture need CM Punk as a top viable wrestler or superstar? I don't think so. I think the numbers and metrics speak for themselves that WWE's on a hot streak right now, just not only product-wise, but also business-wise. Does CM Punk, does WWE need CM Punk? No. Would CM Punk being in WWE be a beneficial situation? You're goddamn right it would. So here's the deal, man. And I, I, I get it. There's people that have their doubts about the prospects of CM Punk in WWE or coming back to WWE. Oh, he's going back on his word. He'd be a hypocrite if he goes back to WWE. And um, there's a lot of different takes, obviously. And obviously we all know that CM Punk is one of the most polarizing performers in the history of professional wrestling. But when it comes to CM Punk and where things are heading coming towards this pay-per-view on Saturday, and even if he does find his way back to the WWE. Let's just be present in the moment and ex- embrace the moment as it's happening. Whether or not we need to like argue with each other. Oh, he better he, he, he better be a Survivor Series or else or oh, no, Steve Punk can't he 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 can't be a Survivor Series. He he's going to be at the World Rumble. Guys, we don't have to be right. Let's just be present in the moment and enjoy the shows. Like Okay, if CM Punk shows up at the Royal Rumble, awesome. If CM Punk shows up at the Raw at the WrestleMania, awesome. Let's just enjoy the idea and the moment of when it does happen instead of fancy booking when it's going to happen and get into these dick measuring contests. Like, see, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. I got my sources. Oh, see, I told you that was the right moment for him. Oh, they they dropped the ball with CM Punk having them show up in Chicago not thinking that the dude would get one of the biggest fucking pots in the history of wrestling inside the All-State Arena. So here's the deal, man. Like, again, there's a lot of people that like punk. There's people that don't like punk. But I genuinely believe that he is coming back to WWE. And I personally would love to be there in person to be there when that moment happens. But I'm not going to fantasy book myself into a rabbit hole where I have to start finding myself being disappointed if he doesn't show up to this pay-per-view on Saturday or he doesn't show up at the Royal Rumble. One way or another, I do believe CM Punk will make his way back to WWE. And when that time happens, I'm just going to be there and embrace the moment that my favorite wrestler is back in WWE. That's all I'm saying. Can we just... 
can we be present in the moment and enjoy the experience instead of working ourselves into shoots and to these silly debates about, oh, he, he better show up at Survivor Series. No, he, it, it's better for to hold him off towards the bubble. Let's just enjoy the moment, okay? That's just my opinion on all that. All right, a couple of things from NXT that I wanted to mention before we get into our predictions for uh, War Games on Saturday. It goes as follows. Um, NXT uh, had a really good segment this week with uh, Baron Corbin and Ilya Dragunov. They'll be fighting each other for the NXT title at deadline. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Also, another good promo segment with um, Dominic Mysterio. And uh, Wesley, I thought that was very enjoyable as well. Now, Wesley has to defeat Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, and Cameron Grimes in a fatal four-way match next week. It's a four-way number one contenders match. Whoever wins the match will fight Dominic Mysterio for the North American title at deadline. Does Wesley find his way to win the match and get his title back? It's a nice little loophole. These three guys are former North American champions. And we still get these integrations of the main roster working with NXT. So I think that's a pretty cool call. Uh, we had a couple of um, matches for the men's and women's Iron Survivor Challenge at deadline. Josh Briggs had an upset victory over Carmelo Hayes as uh, Lexus King got in the way and caused Carmelo Hayes his opportunity to qualify the match. I'm pretty sure those two will have a grudge match at deadline, and that's okay. Um, we had, um, trying to remember from the women's match. Uh, oh, yes. My, yes, of course. My favorite, Blair Davenport. Uh, she defeated, um, Dia Hale to win that match. Uh, so that was pretty dope. So shout out to Blair Davenport for getting that victory. And, uh, she's into the Iron Survivor Challenge match. Um, other stuff from XC that I wanted to mention, if you guys haven't had a chance to see, uh, Noah Dar. Against Chad Gable, I'm pretty sure you enjoyed that match. I thought it was pretty decent uh, for the most part. Uh, pretty solid match for the Heritage Cup uh, Championship. And, of course, uh, we had the main event, which was um, Live Valkyria retaining her NXT Women's title over Exile and she's still your NXT Women's uh, Champion. So that's that. Um, all right. Let's get into my predictions for Survivor Series coming up this Saturday at the All-State Arena. And let me do do it in my excrement <coughs> impression. So let me run down the car first, and then we'll, I'll make my picks. Coming to you live this Saturday night on Peacock. It's the 37th annual WWE Survivor Series War Games. Coming to you live from the All-State Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Coming up first for the Intercontinental Championship is the champion Gunther taking on The Miz. Next for the WWE Women's World Championship is Rhea Ripley against Zoe Stark. It's a grudge match featuring Santos Escobar and Carlito. The first of two War Games matches featuring the women of Damage Control taking on Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Chauncey Blackheart, and Becky Lynch. And our main event is the Men's War Game match featuring the Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre taking on the team of Cody Rhodes, Seth Freaking Rollins, Jay Uso, Sami Zayn, and a re- returning Viper, Randy Orton. More matches to be announced this weekend. Make sure to tune into SmackDown and get all your information right now at WWE.com and get all your tickets right now at WWE.com backslash tickets. Or slash tickets. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. I have Gunther obviously retaining against men's. I, I do have a feeling that these guys could steal this show. I do believe Rhea Ripley will retain over Zoe Stark, but these ladies should have a pretty decent match as well. 
Uh, I got uh, I have Carlito winning by disqualification. Um, one way or another, Santos is just going to find a way to cower his way out of the scenario, and I don't think you need a decisive winner at this point. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Carlito to win by disqualification. Um, I have Damage Control defeating Team Bianca. I think uh, I think either Kyrie or Io will defeat Shotzi when the time is right. Um, but Damage Control will get the victory, and I do believe we'll get the heel turn. Damage Control will attack Bailey at Survivor Series. I, I see it happening, but I do have Damage Control winning the match. Uh, as far as the main event, I do believe that Team Cody will defeat the Judgment Day. It'll be a very, very physical match. What happens after the fact, I think, gets lead to interpretation going into Monday Night Raw. I think this is the scenario where you kind of hold things off towards Monday Night Raw. And I know a lot of people have been throwing out the idea. And I'm not opposed to it. It's not a bad idea of having, you know... Let's say the Judgment Day wins the match, and then uh, Damian Priest catches in his money to bank contract on Seth Rollins, and he tries to cash in, but it's the wrong briefcase because J.D. McDonough is a Nimrod and forgot to give him the right briefcase with the right contract. Um, I can see that as a scenario. You know, I can I, I completely understand that, and I do believe one way or another where we get to Finn and Damian Priest fighting each other at WrestleMania, I'm pretty sure it'll have to do with the fact that Damian Priest will end up not being successful with this money to make cash in. And I'm curious to see how they go about it, to be honest with you. I, I really am. But I'm excited for this match. No, I would not be surprised if Randy Orton drops Cody or Jay Uso with an RKO. Um, if you're asking me if I want to see a, uh, Randy Orton Cody Rhodes feud as Cody's last hurdle to get towards Roman Reigns. You're damn right. I would love to see that. So I'm all game for that. Um, so yeah, I do believe team Cody will defeat the judgment day and we'll see where things go from there. So again, really quick to recap my picks. I do have um, Gunther retaining. I have Rhea Ripley retaining. I got damage control beating Team Bianca with a heel turn on Bailey after the match. I have Carlito winning by disqualification, and I got Team Cody defeating the Judgment Day. So those are my picks here for this week in WWE. All right, we got a couple more segments to do here on the Hoots Podcast this week before we enjoy this holiday weekend. Uh, let's get to one of my other favorite segments that we do here on the podcast at Hoots, and it's called the Clown of the Week. I'm not Clown, 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 You're big Clown, 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 Clown. Oh, yes, the Clown of the Week. More time for Thanksgiving. I'm not Clown, 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 You're big Clown, 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 Clown. Oh, yes. All right, so we have the Clown of the Week this week. The winner this week of the Clown of the Week award. It goes to I, I don't know if you guys have been catching up with this stuff with Tyrese and his um his ex-wife they're getting the divorce right now. Supposedly Tyrese is trying to get removal of the judge that's overseeing their um case because of the fact that um 
I guess supposedly the judge in the case as a known racist and it has um, past controversies in the past in Atlanta. Um, if that's the case and you are a judge and that's how you carry yourself and conduct your business during these cases, you, my friend, are a clown. So I want to throw that into the mix here of clowns of the week. Uh, once again, uh, Chicago Bulls just are in it by default. Um, I would like to also add Matt Eberlus. Eberlus. Yes, Matt Eberlus uh, is uh, a member of the Clown of the Week this week. <laughs> uh, I don't know how the hell you have a 99.9 chance to win and four minutes left on the football game where you're out 12 points and you just get in the fetal position and you're the defensive coordinator. You have power over that. And not only that, to be so goddamn conservative uh, without, you know, giving the chance to put the nail in the coffin, you just let the Lions just do a regular Madden two-minute drill that you do on Madden on easy mode and, oh, you know, here, touchdown here, boom, touchdown there. Like, we need to get rid of this dude. Fire him. Fire everybody. Just fire Chicago sports at this point. It's successful. So those are my clans of the week this week. Um, what else I wanted to mention? Oh, yes. Let me get to my uh, football picks for the week as well. We always like doing that here on the podcast at Hoots. Uh, we have three football games today as I'm dropping this on a Thursday. Get you guys all set for Black Friday. Um here we go. Here's my picks for week 12 of the NFL season. I have the Tampa Bay Bucks over the Colts, Vikings over the Bears on Monday Night Football. I don't think the Bears will beat the Vikings in Minnesota. Um, I got the Jaguars getting a victory on the road against the Texans. That should be a pretty good game. That game will be on CBS. Um, I got the Eagles over the Bills. That's the uh, late afternoon game. That's also on CBS. Uh, got the Ravens over the Chargers on Sunday night football. Um, got the Steelers over the Bengals. We'll see if Kenny Pickett actually rises up the moment or we'll have to uh, continue to make excuses for the guy. Hey, Pittsburgh, man, it's not just Matt Canada for your offensive issues. So, yeah, he got fired this week, but we'll see what happens. I got the Steelers over the Bengals. I got the Saints over the Falcons. Uh, that That's a road game in Atlanta. Um, I got the Titans over the Panthers, Broncos over the Browns, uh, Rams over the Cardinals, Patriots over the Giants. That'll help the Bears a lot. Um, I got the Chiefs over the Raiders on Sunday. I got the Dolphins over the Jets. That game is going to be on Friday. That's going to be on Prime Video. I'm looking forward to that. A little Friday afternoon football action on Amazon. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, I got the 49ers over the Seahawks. Cowgirls over the Commanders and Lions over the Packers. So for today's Thanksgiving games, I got the Lion, the Cowboy, and the 49er uh, getting victories there. So those are my picks for Week 12 of the NFL season. All right, we got one more break to do here on Hoots Podcast, but when we come back, we'll get to the main event segment of the podcast this week. It is the Back Porch Q&A session right here on the Hoots Podcast.
All right, guys, it's time for the back porch Q&A session. As always, you guys know the drill. If you have a question, anything you want to know that's on my mind, or you want to talk about wrestling, sports, whatever's on your mind and soul, hit me up at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. As tradition here on the podcast at Hoots, no, we start off with the good brother Chris Zaletta at XT Zaletta 24X. Draw up the X for him, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what Chris has to ask for us this week. What up, Loose? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Did you watch Josh Alexander versus Will Ospreay yet? No, uh, I haven't. I don't have access TV, and I haven't gone on my way to watch Impact ever since I lost my job and haven't got paid or had the responsibility to cover Impact Weekly. I just don't have the want or need to watch it. I'm sure it was a great match, but I haven't watched it yet, and I haven't really been catching up with Impact because... I don't have a reason to. I'm not going to cover or do a transcript for a show that I'm not getting paid for. So, um, no. Uh, in the end, where do you think that Selena Vega stands? And does Santos link back with uh, Electra Lopez? That's not a that's not a bad idea. It's interesting that you brought that up, uh, Chris. That's not a bad idea. Um, I'm pretty sure that Selena could hold her own on her own accord, but... You know, maybe sooner or later that she does turn heel and maybe there's a ruse where she's sad one moment, one moment and does link up with Santos. But I, I think you can't go wrong either way. But uh, it, it's kind of curious to see what's next for Selena for sure. Logan Paul and Bad Bunny, more likely to happen at Mania or SummerSlam next year? Uh, I'm going to say uh, SummerSlam next year. I believe LA Knight will fight Logan Paul for the United States Championship at WrestleMania this year. Uh, which match are you looking forward to the most for Survivor Series? Outside of the men's Wars game match, I'm most excited for the Miz and Gunther. If the Bears make changes to their coaching staff, would you consider bringing in Cliff Kingsbury to at least be the OC or not? Nah? Cliff Pillsbury, Doughboy Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator here. Chris, I love you, my man, but that's a hashtag no shot. Next. <laughs> Do you miss the traditional five-on-five grudge elimination matches? Which ones from years past are your favorite? Um, I, I miss it. I, I don't don't get me wrong, I am a traditionalist to a certain extent, and I understand why they want to switch it up a little bit and do war game matches instead of just a traditional five on five raw versus smackdown match. I, trust me, I totally get that. Um but yeah, I do miss uh, five by five elimination matches. Yeah, there's a lot of them I enjoyed. Obviously, the one that they had with the Authority and um, with John Cena and Dolph Ziggler that one year in 2014. Um, you had the I know a lot of people crapped on the whole invasion angle and everything like that, and people have a right to their opinion. But I loved the the last match that they had, the five on five where it was. WCW and ECW gets the WWF. I loved that match as a kid. Um, you know, you had the first Elimination Chamber in 2002. Uh, I thought that was a great match. Um, you had, I think one of my favorites was that 2005 Raw versus SmackDown team uh, where Randy Orton ended up being the sole survivor. Here's another funny thing about Randy Orton with him coming back this weekend. I know Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, but can we all admit that Randy Orton is Mr. Survivor Series? This dude is 
<laughs> when it comes to that pay-per-view, that dude's had a lot of great memories and a lot of big moments on that show. So I, if you have to ask me who I thought would be like the face of Survivor Series, it'd definitely be Randy Orton. Um, your favorite Survivor Series shows since 2000. Uh, okay, well, I'll go with 2002 by default. Uh, I'll go with 2005, like I mentioned before. Um, I thought that uh, Survivor Series uh, 2011 at Madison Square Garden was a very good show. You know, you had The Rock coming back for his first match. We had Punk winning the title at Madison Square Garden over Alberta. The real, that was a good match. We had the uh, Zack Ryder and Dolph Ziggler. You guys remember that for the United States Championship? That was very good as well. Um, big show at Mark Henry for the World Heavyweight Championship for 2011. Um Really enjoyed the one that they had in uh, Toronto. I think that was 2016. Uh, I enjoyed the one that I went to in uh, 2019 at uh, the Rosemont Horizon, that Raw NXT SmackDown one. And, of course, uh, I thought last year's uh, Survivor Series in Boston was uh, very, very good as well with the whole bloodline uh, forming with Sami Zayn and him turning his back on Kevin Owens. So uh, those are the ones that really ring off on the top of my head. I know I probably missed that one with probably like 2006 maybe. I know a lot of people like that one as well. But uh, those are the ones that stand out the most to me. Uh, Your favorite War Games matches from NXT and main roster. Um... Honestly, last year's men's war games match was fantastic. I, I thought the um, the women's war games match uh, for NXT uh, NXT Takeover War Games uh, in 2019 was fantastic. Um, I thought the I try to see any other ones. The one they had with Undisputed Era and um, Pat McAfee's crew in NXT, I enjoyed that war games match as well. Those are the ones really quick off the top of my head. Who should Will Ospreay's first program be with in AEW? Uh, it could be anybody at this point, Chris. Just anybody but Chris Jericho. That's my answer to that question. <laughs> Do the Street Profits take the undisputed tag team titles off the Judgment Day on SmackDown before Survivor Series? That is, uh, yes. Yes, that will happen for sure. I want to thank Chris for the questions this week, my man. Uh, hope you have a great uh, Thanksgiving with your family. Uh, Oos and I. Uh, Thank you, as always, for sending some great questions. All right, our next set of questions and our final set of questions this week for the podcast comes from the good brother Mike Rubio at Main Event Swerve. He says, what a boost. Hope you're staying up ahead of the season and time chase, especially with the cold and less sunlight we have this time of year. I appreciate that, man. I've been feeling good. Knock on wood. <laughs> good to be here for a bundled up back porch session. Here are some questions for you. Number one, what do you think of this Iron Survivor Challenge developing for NXT deadline? There have been some major upsets with Roxanne Perez and now Carmel Hayes getting eliminated. Who do you see winning the men's and women's match in the end at this point? Uh, I like the concept. Uh, it, I like the match, obviously, when they debuted this last year. Um, and this is a really good showcase for underneath guys there on the rise up. And here's the deal. You need to put an emphasis on these guys because sooner or later, the Carmelo Hayes of the world, the Ilya Dragunovs, the Braun Breakers, they're not going to be around. They're going to be on Raw and SmackDown soon later. So you need to give these people uh, their time to shine. Um, I believe there's a good chance that Dijak can win this match, and there's also a good chance that Trick Williams could win the match as well for the men. As far as the ladies are concerned, I my best guess right now would go to Blair Davenport uh, winning the match. 
uh, with the fact that uh, Lyra Valkyria is the NXT Women's Champion. But I also would not be surprised if Tiffany Stratton won the match because she's in that uh, Iron Survivor Challenge match as well. And we need to get some baby faces in, in that women's match as well. So I kind of see how the rest of that match in the field plays out over the next couple weeks, but we'll see how it goes from there. Also, what do you think of Isaiah Lee's mean streak lately? Will her attack a Lyra Lee to NXT Gold soon, or will she do even bigger things on Raw? Look, she's not in catering. That's the main takeaway you guys can get out of this. She's getting the opportunity, so we don't have to hear people complain on Twitter. Oh, my God, you have Isaiah Lee on the roster. You never do anything with her. And then when she's on the on the show, oh, I can't believe that Isaiah Lee's lost to Becky Lynch on Raw. Oh, I can't believe that she lost the match to uh, Lyra Bikira on NXT this week. You got to pick a lane, man. Do you want her on the TV show or not? I get it. She lost big matches, but it wasn't squash matches. She didn't get buried this week. So let's let's go by a week-to-week basis and see that she's maximizing her TV time. So that's my thoughts on that. There's a lot of buzz about the new damage control. Most people I follow are not saying Dakota Kai is going to turn on Bailey. So who turns on who and when does it happen? Um, like I mentioned before, I believe that damage control will turn on Bailey at Survivor Series this weekend. Uh, whether it's Kyrie or EO, pick your choose out of your litter there, and um, <laughs> uh, that'll happen. What group member has a member lead the faction first? Damage control or Judgment Day? Uh, that'll be damage control. Um, I know you've done predictions and that's different, but who will have the most memorable performance at war games? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, you know, having the dynamic of Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch being a tag team, I think it's going to be something to look out for. Um, obviously we all know their history between each other. Um, I, I think that Kyrie Singh can really uh, really get some momentum and steam behind her with her performance and where, however she conducts herself during that World Games match. So I'm going to go with Kyrie for the women. As far as the men's is concerned, um, the, I really think the performance of this World Games match is going to come down to Jay Uso and Drew McIntyre because, again, we had that emotional like trauma that Jay has to deal with where – one moment he has to look out for Drew McIntyre. The next second he has to wake up, uh, watch out for the Judgment Day. Then he got Randy Orton involved. So I really think it's going to come down to Jay Uso for the men's match. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. Um, speaking of MVPs, who takes the crown in the NFL in the end of the season? Hurts, Mahomes, someone else? It's a tough call this year. Um... I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts by default. I think he, he gets the nod this year. I haven't been impressed by Mahomes so far this season, and Joe Burrow's injured. I'm pretty sure maybe you could throw Lamar Jackson into the mix just due to the record that the Ravens have right now. Um, but that's also injury pending because he is injury prone. Uh, but right now, I'll just go with Jalen Hurts by default. Who do you think wins the Super Bowl this year at this point? Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Uh, I don't like picking the Eagles because I think Philly is trash, but um, I'm going to go with the Eagles. What is your go-to Christmas movie? Well, uh, that's a great question, Mike. I, I like I like myself some black movies, if you will. So I'm going to go with This Christmas. Uh, I really enjoyed that one with uh, Chris Brown, uh, Loretta Devine, and the whole crew there. That That's one of my favorite. Oh, Idris Elba as well in that. So I'm going to go with This Christmas. I, I enjoyed that one. 
we had a Friendsgiving yesterday where friends cook different things and one hosts an event before the actual Thanksgiving. Have you ever done something like that? No, I haven't, unfortunately. A lot of my main friends that I grew up with uh, during elementary school and stuff like that during my childhood all have, like, moved on to different states and started their own families. So I haven't really found myself in a position where people invited me to partake in something like that. It's something I would love to do in this next chapter of my life and get to do more things like that, but I haven't been invited to something like that. But I hope you had a good time at your Friendsgiving. Other than turkey, what is your standout Thanksgiving food? Uh, mac and cheese. There you go. Mac and cheese. <laughs> um, what are you most thankful for this year? That's a great question, man. That's a beautiful question. Um, what I'm thankful for this year is God. That's what I'm most thankful for this year. I'm thankful for him keeping me grounded and not making me give up on myself and, you know, and not losing faith in myself and just keeping me pushing forward, even at times where I feel justified to be discouraged at times. Um, I'm most thankful for him. I mentioned before in the beginning of the show how thankful that I am to be able to reconnect with the members of my uh, dad's side of the family who've been really taking care of me and encouraging me through this whole weight loss project that I've been doing and really this life project that I've been working on. I've just been working on myself generally overall with a lot of different things. Honestly, I mentioned before, you guys already know I've been on a weight loss program, but I've also been just working on me on a personal level and just trying to see what, what I want out of myself emotionally, spiritually, in general for myself as I enter this next chapter of my life and I'm turning 30 next year. So I'm just really, I'm most thankful for God and my family for just being there for me because this year has been a hellhole for me and I'm slowly, slowly rebounding. And it's been, it's been a blessing that I could be more grateful for. And, you know, getting a chance to talk to my sister last week uh, was really, really special to me. I, I don't get a chance to talk to her as much because she lives uh, in California. So get to see her and talk to her for almost an hour and stuff. was really nice uh, last week. Um, it's, 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 it's pretty cool, man. Those are the main things I'm thankful for. And of course, I'm always thankful for wrestling being there for me as an escape. And I'm thankful for all of you for, um, giving me this platform to entertain you and make you laugh and maybe give you a different perspective about wrestling. So, uh, thankful for you and Chris for making this segment what it is each and every single weekend. I think, and I'm more appreciative of the consistent support as just brothers more than just supporters of the show, you know? Um, just very grateful. I'll never take that for granted for sure. Um, another good one here. What brings you the most peace or zen in your daily life? Uh, music. Music is my go-to escape when I need peace and just time to think to myself. It's always, will always be music. Who will be the biggest surprise team to make the playoffs this year? Could it be... Could it possibly be the Houston Texans? Yes, I believe it could be the Houston Texans. Um, if I look across the league, um, I, I'll be honest, the NFC is kind of a crapshoot. There's not a lot of good teams. <laughs> They're just not. Uh, there's few and far teams that stick out from the rest. Like It wouldn't be a surprise to me if the Seahawks make the playoffs, you know, stuff like that. Hell, even the Vikings, uh, with all their injuries stuff that they've dealt with this year. 
I don't know what it is, man. Kevin O'Connell, that guy just doesn't lose for whatever reason. So <laughs> throw the Vikings in there. Obviously, you mentioned Texans. Do the Steelers make the playoffs? We'll see. There's a lot of different options for sure. Um, does it pr- surprise you that popular songs like What It Is by Dochi featuring Kodak Black take 19 people to write? Is creativity just outsourced a lot more now for music? That's a good question there, too. Uh, by the way, I, I like that song, by the way. What it is, uh, is jam, for sure. I, it's one of the songs that I listen to a lot when I do, like, my walks during the day. Uh, it's a good vibe. Um, there's a lot of issues across the board with uh, music today from a creative and just general technical standpoint. And, look, man, um, I appreciate some current artists, but collectively, I'm not really a fan of today's music. If it takes 19 people to write a song, I I don't know what that says because you're you have a, what does it say about Kodak Black's ability to rap? I mean, these like six or seven people to figure that out. <laughs> I'm not saying, and I know there's been songs where there's been like five or six people to work on it, but I think that um, right now there's a lack of genuism in the songs that are coming out these days. There's a lack of feel and emotion attached to the music that's made and the stories that are being told. And more importantly, the sound of the music these days is just not genuine. You're not hearing good music through instruments, you're hearing it through a computer and all these different pro tools and stuff like that. And it's hard to listen to at times. It really is. Um, But that's just my opinion on that. Uh, What is the underrated TV show that you have enjoyed? For example, Rules of the Game is a lesser-known gem streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, Well, I'll say the Bernie Mac show for sure. I I love Bernie Mac show that he had during the time. Um, the George Lopez one was pretty good too. I enjoyed that. Um, I, I, I forgot the name, the show that Kaylee Cuoco and John Ritter in it, but I, I enjoyed that show as well. Those were the ones that come off the top of my head for that. Um, have you ever partaken in the Black Friday follies in public, rushed for a TV or made a mad dash for a door buster at 5 a.m.? Any plans for this year? Uh, that's going to be a no and no to both of those questions. <laughs> I'm just not a, not a big Black Friday guy. You, you're not going to see me try to run through people and carry myself in a jackassy manner for Christmas gifts. Um, it's not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go to the next question. All right, let me, I think I lost it here. Oh, there you go. Also, more importantly, any chance you're going to Survivor Series this week, or will you watch in some other way? Um, no, I won't be able to be going to Survivor Series this weekend. I'll be at home covering the pay-per-view live for uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com. So go, go check out my transcript, guys. Random question. If you're straight edge, can you have alcohol-infused foods like beer-battered chicken or a male pecan pie infused with Crown Royal? (laughs) I like that one. Uh, A maple pecan pie infused with Crown Royal. (laughs) Um, I don't know the rules of that. 
do I see myself having a beer battered chicken or a, a Jameson ribs? I I don't know. <laughs> Does that make me lose my straight edge label or tag? I, I, I'm not really sure. So I, I'm just going to say no by default just, just to play it safe here. So no, I don't see myself <laughs> doing that. That's very funny. Um, what's your favorite thing about the fall and winter season? Uh, that's a good question. Um, football, uh, time to reflect about the year and, um, yes, I, I, I like this time of the year cause you get to, just to chill a little bit. And I know that when it gets to like summertime, a lot of people are on the go and want to do activities outside and stuff like that. But I kind of appreciate uh, this time of the year because you get a chance to work on yourself and just enjoy the experience of what you're doing and stuff like that and having more connections and building more connections with people that you love and care for and stuff like that. So that's what I really enjoy about this time of the year. I'll be honest with you, I'm not the biggest Thanksgiving fan in the world. I'm just being honest with you guys. I know it's a holiday we all celebrate with our families, but for me, it's just another day. Like Christmas, I put on a higher pedestal than Thanksgiving, but that's just me. But um, he says here, well, happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you and yours have a great weekend and beyond. I say to you, my brother, um, I think I'm thankful for this show as a great escape and send from the world and prelude to the weekend. Thanks. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. I want to give a big shout-out to, um, of course, Chris and Mike for the awesome questions this week. I want to thank you all for uh, hanging out with me tonight and or but by the time you're listening to this podcast, I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your families and um, enjoy Black Friday, enjoy the football this weekend, and more importantly, more importantly, enjoy Survivor Series this weekend. It's going to be a good vibe at the Austin Arena this weekend. Uh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a dope show. And um, make sure to check out my transcript work, as always, at WrestlingHeadlines.com and ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoops Podcast. As always, remember, be the authentic product that is yourself. Remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As the road to episode 400 of the Hoops Podcast continues, we go from 12 now to 11. We're almost getting there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't express enough gratitude for each and every single one of you for continuing to be part of this journey with me. I love you all. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll be here next week for episode 389 of the Hoops Podcast. No! Bye-bye, bitch.